0: Cougars. house. The Houston Cougars may be in a new conference, but this weekend they face a familiar foe. What to look out for and who to look out for on that roster, plus some new legal business that helps Houston. You are Locked On Cougs, your daily podcast on the Houston Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Cougs, the daily podcast about your Houston Cougars. I'm your host, Houston-born teacher and coach, Parker Ainsworth. to break down all things Cougs, if you're a U of H fan or just a hater who came not stop by. Please be sure to subscribe down below. That way you can listen to Cougs in your newsfeed each and every day. We appreciate you making Locked on Cougs your first listen of the day. If you're on YouTube and that's where you found us, it's so good to see you again. Remember to hit subscribe down below. That way you can listen to Cougs in your newsfeed each day. Also, as we hit subscribe, we're getting closer to that 1750 mark doing the giveaway over 250 subscribers. Uh, looking like I'm trying to find a sweatshirt to give away at, at uh, the 1750 mark. So hit subscribe to help us get there and like and comment on the video to let us know you're in the contest. If after talking about some matchups and things, Cincinnati, you don't know what to talk about after you just know, don't know what to say, tell us in the comments down below if you've ever had uh Cincinnati's you know skyline chili, and if so, what did you think? I I have low standards for Chile when it comes to Skyline Chile. I don't think of it as being very good, but I anyway could do a whole episode on Skyline Chile. Maybe we will one day. All right. So, uh, today's episode, we're going to look at a couple different matchups that are important in the weekend's game against Cincinnati. It is homecoming after all. Uh, but in the last, the last segment, I want to do kind of a more broad update about some stuff that is pertaining to the University of Houston and will tie to the athletic department as well as talking about what Dana said this weekend's press conferences. Um, so. Let's just jump on in. It's kind of a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, but the first matchup I think we got to look at in this game is going to be the backfield. Both running backs that they play over there at Cincinnati, uh, Corey Kiner and Miles Montgomery versus I have Sack Avenue. And I'll, I'll talk about more why in a second. But I thought it was interesting in looking at what Cincinnati does that, yes, they are two and seven on the season. And yes, after beating. East Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky, and Pitt to start the year. Uh, Cincinnati has lost seven games in a row. But they are consistently running the ball about as well as they're passing it. They're having almost equal amount of yards rushing and passing game in, game out, week in, week out. Uh, which means that when you factor in that they're typically losing the second half, and that actually amps up how much you would pass, right, because trying to save time, this and the other thing. Um, they're running backs are carrying a lot of the load in games they think are competitive. Now, I don't know how competitive you think this game over this weekend is going to be, but I tend to notice that these Houston Cougars end up in a lot of close games, so I'm I'm leaning into that's going to be a competitive matchup. And that, to me, means that if they have their druthers, Cincinnati will run the ball a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Um, Corey Conner and Miles Montgomery are two very, very good backs. Um, And, frankly, they both are... It kind of plays a little bit more, um, but they both split carries and split time on the field nearly evenly. Um Corey Kiner is a um, better blocker and certainly more active blocker. Neither, neither one's a great pass blocker, but certainly more active blocker. Um, I thought it was interesting in watching, uh, you know, Kiner's not a giant by any stretch of the imagination, but he is very good at running between the tackles and frankly, forget it's 5'10, 215. I guess it like squatty body gets like wider as it goes down, but um, he's not at this giant and he loves running. Like they run a lot of plays in them off the sea gaps, powers, counters, um, sometimes just, you know, a middle zone, right? Not an inside zone, not an outside zone where he basically reads the tackles hips and follows his blockers and set her outside based on how that goes. Now, He's been in a couple different schools. He actually started off as an SEC guy. Uh, had uh, a couple rushing touchdowns at LSU. Once upon a time, before transferring to Cincinnati, uh, he actually went to Cincinnati after right. He saw Cincinnati do so well in the American Athletic <laughs> Conference, go to the College football playoff. Right. I'm sure there was something to having to do with that uh, in his background there. I say to say that he's a guy that like understands running the football uh, like, behind his pads. Uh, he runs. He. Frankly, I saw a couple different times where he like ran over guys with his legs, not like obviously you run over guys with your legs, but like ran through him then with his thigh board, the guys bouncing off his thigh pads. Uh, and again, he's not like 1990s thigh pads, kind of thighs, big thighs. He just runs through guys. Um, he's really impressive, though. And I thought it was interesting that um, he enjoys running over people, it looks like. So it's going to be a challenge. Uh, on the flip side of that, Miles Montgomery, he's not exactly. At speed, series he's not the Baldwin kid from Baylor. We saw last week, something like that. But when he opens it up in the open field, his strides get really, really long, really, really fast. And frankly, um, you know, he's only 5'11 himself. I think it's just like his running style, he has really, really long strides. And so, when I look at the way he runs the football. Um, he's almost worrisome from a speed perspective because when he hits it open field, he's a two-step every six or so yards kind of guy. And that leads to some kind of breakaway speed. Um, neither one of these guys is a huge pass threat. Their average distance of target, both are behind line of scrimmage, not going downfield a whole lot. And then it worked very successfully in the screen game. Um, But I, I do think that the thunder and lightning element they add, plus we add in that, like, says that he goes to the running quarterback and Emory Jones, um you know you got to factor in like this guy like theoretically there's a lot of potential running the football around uh, amory jones might be a familiar name he was originally at florida florida's right florida is right florida is right he was originally at florida Uh played a season at arizona state for ultimately settling in at cincinnati uh, everywhere he goes he has um you know some success running the football uh I guess that you know, he played four years at Florida with some red shirts and injuries and stuff in there in between. Um, but last year at Arizona, Arizona State, he had four rushing touchdowns. This year he's already up to three. Um, so with the, he's kind of the lightning in the bottle there. A little bit more quicker and shiftier than the two running backs. All that is to say that I think a lot of the onus and stopping that run game Will fall on the defensive line. We think of Sack Avenue, Sack Avenue, as being a pass rush kind of unit. And they got some I mean, Nelson Caesar is as good as anyone in the business. Gwegbu is as well. Um, this could be a game where we see a lot more of Cedric, right? Big Cedric Williams, um, Jamari Caldwell. Uh, you could see, you know, Don Juanco making plays in run game. Though we see that every week, so you know, take that with a grain of salt. But I think that could be the kind of thing that you see is important. I almost wonder if counterintuitively, it's a week we see more of Houston's three three five defense uh, because it lean, li- lines up three bigger bodies on the field. Uh, we saw Houston give up a lot of rushing yards in games like TCU when they were in the four two five defense. Um, and they only had two defensive tackle-type bodies on the field. In the 3-3-5, you have three defensive tackle-type bodies, but they have a number of good ones. Anthony Holmes Jr., too. Um, right? they, they've got guys that can play the position there. And so you see, could see Houston get to more of that kind of a defense. But I'll, also, I feel like the inverse of this is that you end up so if you have the three defense tackles on the field, you're kind of funneling, you know where you're pushing it, right? You have like your defense tackles line up on the head up on the tackle or just inside the tackle, and then Dot holding down the nose tackle spot. You're forcing things outside the tackle to a on one side and Nelson Caesar on the other. You're forcing things to your playmakers. Um, I think that that's going to kind of be their strength in this game. Whatever they decide to do, Houston's going to need to make sure they work to shut down the run game. Um that it's going to be really, really important. So even if you play a handful of other younger defensive tackles in there, like Justin Benton or Talik Robbins or whomever, uh, alongside like a, a Don and Wonko to kind of hold down the fort, you're going to need to continue to put big buys out there to kind of push the line of scrimmage and keep that run game at bay. It's going to be really important for Cincinnati to get it going. Uh, again, they like – kind of depends on which guy you got. Montgomery seems to see a lot more of the outside kind of stuff. Kiner seems to see a lot more of the off-tackle kind of stuff. And uh, then all of it has some sort of a read with Emory Jones running the opposite direction. Um, keep keep who's on the field in mind and bottling it up and finding some way to intentionally control that line of scrimmage. It's going to be really, really important. And speaking of things, they're going to be really, really, really important. Let's talk a little bit about what is important at FanDuel right now because at FanDuel, you can bet a single $5 Moneyline bet and win $150 back in bonus bets. That's a really good return on investment. Like you're going to invest something into a recruit, maybe put a little extra phone call in here, actually, you know, you know, send a recruiting care pack all above, you know, above board or whatever, but like. You hope to get a, like this is big time return on investment. That $5 money line bet can get you $150 back in bonus bets. Money line for Cincinnati and Houston this weekend is set at Houston by uh, minus 128. Obviously, we're taking that one. Uh, they only have Houston favored by two and a half points. The over under, interestingly enough to me, is set at under, over under at 55 and a half. I think Houston hits the over there, not on their own, but this strikes me as a game that is very much uh, two teams scoring a lot of points, um, like 35, 28, um, I think seems kind of like on the low side of how this thing could go, just because both defenses do seem a little porous. Um, again, that money line that bet, though, is what we're really, really trying to tell you to do because be, you can get up to $150 back in bonus bets by winning a $5 money line bet. And we know that you put on the coach You're going to win this weekend, right? Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. It's got spled, spreads, player prompts, over and so much more. This is fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off the football season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right. Now, as I look at what other matchups are really, really important, um, we, we've got to talk some about this guy that's like, if there is one name you got to know as far as a future pro on this uh, Cincinnati Bearcat football team, it's Dante Corleone. Um, he is a stud defensive lineman. Um, now, Obviously, I'd like to see some of a wrestling match between he and, like, Don Juanco or something. That's not quite the way the thing goes. You don't get to see defense versus defense very often. Uh, Dante Colion, with the very Italian last name, goes by The Godfather. Um, he is listed at 6'2", 320. Um, I've seen some people have him close to 350. I've seen some people from his earlier days have him down close to 300. He is a very, very athletic Heavy set guy. Whatever you want to list him at, he moves very, very well for it. Um, and frankly, he moves so well in between the guards. Um, A, it's frightening because we know that as far as our offensive line goes, that's kind of our weaker spot. And he moves so well between the guards that you kind of have to do extra things to account for him, which helps out their other defensive linemen. Um, honestly, like you could see someone like Eric Phillips, get loose and boogie a little bit, or um, Malik Van get loose and boogie a little bit because Houston's focused so much on Dante Corleone. Now, Dante Corleone, first of all, it's funny to see a 320-plus pound guy wearing number two, single-digit number two. Um, but the big thing to me will be is how Doug Belk and the offense, uh, sorry, Doug Belk, uh, how Imani uh, Yagavi and the offensive line scheme Blocking him to give Donovan Smith more time because um, they're still finding ways to give up yards on the ground. Cincinnati is giving 140 yards per game on the ground, um, which is not the kind of thing you'd think of for a team that has a dominant defensive lineman. But they are getting after the quarterback in pass game, which you would associate with having a dominant defensive lineman. Um, assuming Houston. Still goes with the pass-first kind of success they've had or attempts to have the pass-first kind of success they've had in uh, the couple wins they've had in the Big 12 Conference thus far. Uh, they're going to need to make sure Donovan Smith stays upright, has time to throw. They're going to need to do that by accounting for Godfather Corleone while also uh, making sure they don't like leave themselves vulnerable in other spots. Um, I'm really, really impressed by the Corleone rips through contact and keeps his feet moving throughout all of his hand-fighting stuff so like um i think that's what makes him such a like a double team magnet uh you see the way like he knocks down hand bars and all that kind of like you think of hand fighting deep lineman but he's like also moving his feet and hips around the guy as they're fighting up top um really really impressive again um i think that obviously Jack Freeman, six year in college football, had a lot of starts under his belt, has played some very big and talented defense linemen thus far this year and played them fairly well. Frankly, uh, you could see him being fairly important in how things go with that. Uh, he's going to need some help from his guards. <laughs> um, and he's going to have, you know, tank changes on one side and that, like, he's going to need some help double teaming down on that. What that does mean, and it probably puts Patrick Paul and Ruben Unajay on islands in their respective sides. You may see some running back chip and help on Unajay's side, but, Patrick Paul's a pro and it's gonna be kind of like put up a shut up time on that because he's gotta go out there and kind of one on one out there. I trust Patrick to do it. I don't mean to say that like I'm worried about it, but I think he's gonna go into this week knowing that he's gonna be one on one matched up on likely a Juwan Briggs or Malik Van. Uh, that's the first and second team guys on the their left sides or their right sides or our left side. Regardless, um I do think that Patrick Paul winning his matchup. Is important. I think that having a game plan on how to take care of Dante Corleone is important, and I do think passing the football, even though Cincinnati gives up 140 yards in on the ground, will be important. Um, just because, frankly. They've got a lot of advantages in the skill position spots on the outside. Um, looks like Manjack will return. He's been practicing this week, which indicates that the concussion stuff is behind him. That's good. Uh, Sam Brown has been, as far as we've heard and seen, uh, all things go at Practice. He did sustain a shoulder injury that he played through last weekend. Matthew Golden, we found out from Dana Holgerson, we'll talk more about in the in the third segment, is day to um, day. But he's going to be day to day the rest of the year. And it, he, you know, it sounds like things are okay. X-rays came back negative. Negative. Um, so we're hoping to get more out of him in that. You'd also see Boogie Johnson step up some. We've seen obviously Boogie Johnson like the West Virginia game and stuff like that. But I also really like the way they get him into space. Uh, he's got really, really good feet. Really, really good feet. Very, very quick and shifty. Get on some stick routes and those kinds of things. I think he can break this game open. And then Dalton Carne's having the career of a lifetime. He I mean, shows up as a walk on, earned a scholarship, and is very much in the receiver rotation. One of the best receiver groups in the Big Twelve. Um, I think that those are kind of the guys you're going to be leaning on to get to them. You're going to give Donovan Smith time to throw the ball to them. Um, again, I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy complicated on the outside pass game. Stick routes, rub routes. Um, I don't think they're going to need to have like the constant flooding of zones and kind of stuff because Cincinnati would be kind of breaking character to go to zone. And I don't know since going to break character for Houston. there are frankly like at 2-7 and seven, just trying to make sure they get better what they need to get better at. Um, but re- regardless, uh, blocking up front to be important because there's stuff open in the back half. Then get it done, um, and stuff. Frankly, we've seen Donald Smith has several good. I mean, you basically take the Kansas State game out, and he's had several good games of football, kind of strung together here for a minute. Um, so I I think I trust him to do it as long as they get him protection, get the defense the line bottled up, and let him go do his thing. Now. If you just want to completely buck the trend and go with the run game, obviously, not just because I'm president of the Parker Jenkins fan club, I think they got to get the ball to Parker Jenkins. Um, He's got a burst of speed that can get past that that defensive line, get into the second and third levels of defense really, really quickly. And that can also, if you're looking for ways to mitigate a strong interior defensive lineman, getting past him really quickly is a great way to do that. And I think the speed and burst of Jenkins would be really important there. Uh, Tony Mathis showed himself to be very talented in the pass game. We've seen Stacey Snead show up well in the pass game as well. So I'm not saying you can't play them. I just think as far as actually handing it off, it's PJ or it's Donovan himself. I think that's just kind of the way you got to go about it. Now, if you're talking about going about different things or finding ways to take care of your key player or players, Let's talk some about eBay Motors because eBay helps you with passion, drive, and patience because there's what bring home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're in a speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with eBay guaranteed fit. Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because eBay motors, you're burning rubber and not cash with all the parts you need and the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible are only exclusions supply, eBay guarantee fit, not available, only available to U.S. customers. All right. So I said in the third segment, I want to talk some about, um, frankly, some legal stuff going on. That's actually good for Houston and uh, just other notable updates from the week, because I think when I make sure we're on the same page, when we get in the Cincinnati game first, it appears that as the recording of this episode on Tuesday night, that prop five in the local elections is going to pass. And prop five is good for Houston um, because it's an effort to make sure that there are more large research universities in the state. I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Houston is not in the highest echelon of making money on their research by any stretch. Texas and Texas A&M both get large, let's call it what it is, oil money coming in on an annual basis, and Prop 5 seeks to help level that playing field with the Texas university, creating a Texas University Fund, $3.9 billion endowment, uh, and that will go to a handful of universities on top of just University of Houston, but Houston as well. Um go to a handful of different systems. I should say Texas tech system, Houston system, et cetera, public schools. And it continues to grow each and every year. Uh, You can see the state says it's going to contribute a hundred million dollars annually from interest accrued on state's rainy day fund. Um, So it's not even uh, costing the state much more. It's money that's already sitting there. There's going to be allocating it to Houston. uh, And in doing so, uh, that's going to help promote the university as a research institution. Now, Parker, this is a sports show. It's great for the school, but how does this help the Cougs? Well, A, it makes it a more appealing university, obviously, for potential recruits that like enjoy, that are looking for the academic experience of a large research institution. Uh, I don't want to act like this is not tied to that in some way or somehow or some fa- form or fashion. Right? This is... Obviously, somewhat linked together with that. Um, I'm not saying Andrew Luck would have come to the U of H, but Andrew Luck was from the city of Houston and went all the way across the country to go to Stanford because Stanford's a great academic institution, right? Um, again, not saying he would have gone to the U of H if it were a research institution, but I don't I have no insight to that. Maybe he would have, I don't know, but he I have no insight to that, but he clearly chose an academic institution, Um and other, there are other athletes like that across the country every year, especially at the quarterback position, right? Um, the other part of this is is that, frankly, it's an investment in research at the university, a heavy investment if, at that. And we know President Couture is involved and wants that more than like a lot of different things, and is concerned with getting Houston into the uh, the AAU and all those kinds of things. Um, but it's a large investment in that. That does not come from the donors we lean on for athletics. So we can still get that donor money for athletics. Uh, and so, you know, people have to choose where to spend their dollar um, while still building up the academic programming. And you kind of build both at the same time. I think there's some, you know, Couture sees university as a holistic university and wants to build all the programs up. And at a, that's awesome. But from a purely athletic standpoint, as so we're talking about this podcast, it's like, ooh, but I want those dollars to go to more football facilities. Oh, I, need, I need new gyms. Oh, I need no like those things add up, right? And getting to, you know, put a giant injection of money into the research side of things without taking anything from other parts of the university is really important. The other part of it too is frankly, in a in a big long-term kind of look at university athletics, um, you're creating in a research university. Theoretically, a bigger school with you know potentially high earning alumni coming out, more high earning alumni coming out, I should say, and so you'll have more high end donors in the future, more of those kinds of things like down the line. Now that's a trickle down effect that'll happen over the long course of history. Um, but we we simply we asked for titas for a lot, and he's got a lot of cash, and I love that he gives it to university on top of also giving it to my Houston Rockets and all kinds of things, right? Um, but at the end of the day right? Having more people like that would be nice. (laughs) Uh, And there are more than just the Fertitas; They're just the name we all know because their name on the basketball stadium and they're close to all kinds of things. And they're big name name in town, but having more of those kinds of names down the road would be nice. It's also bluntly just a great thing to take pride in the university. Um, So all that is to say, The passing of Prop 5, which it appears like at the recording of this podcast, is about to pass, if it has not been confirmed by the time you listen to this already, is a big, big deal for Houston and the athletic programs. Yes, and the athletic programs. The other news from the week is that um, in his press conference on Monday, and then again on his radio show on Tuesday, he reiterated it. There are some injury updates and news from Dana Holgerson. Uh, Joseph Manjak is practicing, it sounds like. Um, Now, what he's doing at practice, obviously things are closed and all that, but he is back to practice after suffering a concussion from a dirty hit in the Texas game um, and missing a couple games since Uh, he's back. And that's a good thing, frankly, for his health. Concussions can get scary, especially when you start missing multiple weeks, but also because, frankly, Houston needs him. (laughs) Houston needs him really, really, really 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 badly. Um uh, Matthew Golden got hurt early in the Baylor game and did not come back in on Monday. We found out that it was a toe injury. Uh toe injuries can be really really tricky for receivers because of how much they're cutting and planting and how frankly vital certain toes are on both feet. Uh, it sounds like the x-rays were negative. Um so no broken toes, That means it really is just going to like it sounds closer to a turf to at that point but no one said turf toes. So I don't want to call it turf, but it sounds closer to a turf toe at that point since it's not a broken toe. Um with that said, having had that in my own playing career, there's just gonna be some days he's gonna wake up, it's not gonna hurt as bad. And that means he's truly day to day through the rest of the season. Um, I imagine you see him taking off things like kickoff return and things like that just to make sure he doesn't like have to go out there and do a rep unless it's like a super, uber important kickoff return at the end of the game, kind of like you saw Tank do at points of his uh, career last year. Um, so I imagine he's taken off that. You see a little bit more Parker Jenkins, a little bit more like Fleming. Um, you know, those kinds of those kind of guys. Maybe a little bit of Dalton Carnes. You know, I don't know. Um, but that's you know, a lot of what Matthew Golden does, he's caught a bunch of touchdowns this year. But a lot of what Matthew Golden does is serve as like the guy that the defense is half the double team that opens up the Sam Brown, that opens up the Joseph Magic, that opens up the Dalton Carnes. And um, if he's hurt, we get a problem there. Now, I will say he's not at, Matthew Golden is certified pro. I think Boogie Johnson could be a pro. So I don't mean this to say that Boogie is as good as Matthew in the present tent. Boogie Johnson is going to be really, really good though at football. If he's not, you know, already very good at football, I guess he's a, a high end uh, wide receiver at, at, at you know all those kind of things. But um, I think that Boogie can do a lot of the same kinds of things for Houston. He just won't demand, at least until he starts producing, the same kind of attention off the jump that Matthew Golden will do. And so need, need Golden out there at least to kind of pull the defense and shift the defense and open stuff up. Makes things a lot easier for everyone else. Um, other things that I think Dan has pointed out that were interesting this week um, is that he gave Cincinnati a lot of praise. I think obviously no coach is going to come out and like talk crap about some team that's 2-7 and seven or whatever. But he reminded us, I think, of a couple things about Cincinnati. One, they're not, they're not only transitioning to the Big 12 like Houston is, they're also transitioning into a new coach. Um, and so like that's a difficult transition to be going through um i appreciated the thought he had that they're used to winning over there right that they're used to winning at cincinnati had a crazy good season 2021 and a pretty good season last year for what it's worth um and that frankly is like i don't want to call it a rivalry because it's not like a bunch of hatred between the two but houston cincinnati been on some dog fights um Cincinnati, houston cincinnati played a total of 28 times houston has won 15 of the 28 times uh cincinnati has won the last three um houston has technically been to more bowl games um and houston like in the wins pda kind of columns and stuff like that, has a handful of different columns where they have like more all americans and one more heisman winner that's all those whatever um but in the last like decade they're very very competitively close programs because you think about like the Peach bowl year for houston and stuff like that like that feels akin to the college football playoff because of what year different things happened or whatever right and, and coming on the american conference can get tricky they both, both move into the big 12 together um it's an interesting not quite rivalry that feels somewhat like one um and it's important to note that like they're looking for their first Big 12 win, and they're as hungry as anyone. They've been a few other places for a Big 12 win, right? And so, how is Houston going to respond to that to make sure that Houston become does not become theirs? Uh, tomorrow's episode, we're going to bring in someone to kind of represent Cincinnati and talk to us about what they've got in his opinion, what he thinks is about the Cougs and all that kind of stuff. Friday, we got the key is the game. Saturday, we have got a basketball game at 12:30. We've got a football game at six. We got Cougars after dark at night a.k.a. After Dark. It's a busy, busy week here at Locked on Cougs. Make sure you subscribe to get tuned into all of it uh, each and every day here at Locked on Cougs. Locked on Cougs is a proud of the Locked on Podcast Network, and that means your team every day. Go Cougs!